Please be seated for our Bible reading. The reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 25, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 822 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Ezekiel prophesies of a future time when the Lord will judge Judah's surrounding neighbours. The word of the Lord came to me. Mortal, set your face towards the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because you said aha over my sanctuary when it was profaned, and over the land of Israel when it was made desolate, and over the house of Judah when it went into exile. Therefore I am handing you over to the people of the east for a possession. They shall set their encampments among you, and pitch their tents in your midst. They shall eat your fruit, and they shall drink your milk. I will make Rabah a pasture for camels, and Ammon a fold for flocks. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, Because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet, and rejoiced with all the malice within you against the land of Israel, therefore I have stretched out my hand against you, and will hand you over as plunder to the nations." I will cut you off from the peoples and will make you perish out of the countries. I will destroy you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because Moab said, The house of Judah is like all other nations. Therefore I will lay open the flank of Moab from the towns on its frontier, the glory of the country, Beth Jesimoth, Baalmeon, and Karaphaim. I will give it along with Ammon to the people of the east as a possession. Thus Ammon shall be remembered no more among the nations, and I will execute judgments upon Moab. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because Edom acted vengefully against the house of Judah and has grievously offended in taking vengeance upon them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against Edom and cut off from it humans and animals, and I will make it desolate. From Taman even to Dedan, they shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel, and they shall act in Edom according to my anger and according to my wrath, and they shall know my vengeance, saith the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, because with unending hostilities the Philistines acted in vengeance, and with malice of heart took revenge in destruction. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, cut off the Cherethites, and destroy the rest of the sea coast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful punishments. Then they shall know that I am the Lord, when I lay my vengeance on them. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray together? So Lord, as Ezekiel prayed, would you anoint these lips by the power of your spirit, that my mouth would speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding, that your Holy Spirit would come and 
teach us this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a world which judges, takes some of the biggest news stories of these past few weeks and the judgments made in the media or if you like the the vipers on social media. A certain politician standing for the leadership of the SNP and her views on marriage. An anxious husband who's falsely accused of evil when tragedy strikes. The decisions made at the last Church of England Synod. Or consider some of the most popular TV programs we watch today and how central is the the theme of judgment. From the world of um, that one that I don't really like, you know, the judges, when they extenuate the word seven. You know which one I mean? Through to the press of a button or the raising of a finger on a hand that says, you're fired. Or take the, the world of sport, which is often riddled, isn't it, with judging controversies from the latest VAR fiasco to who really won in that Formula One car in Bahrain in December 2021. And then we then spend our days on the phone or social media, in the pub or on the office or now online, debating what's going on, mainly crying injustice. Apparently, so they say, one of the three biggest criticisms of this judgmental world against Christians to think that we're judgmental. And they're right when the inconsistency of our lives doesn't match up to the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. But equally, we have to remember the prophetic nature of the church is sometimes to speak the truth of Christ to a world which might not want to hear. It makes me wonder, what would our world today think of Ezekiel? and that passage from chapter 25. You see, if we've brought our handouts along with us again this morning, or if there's one on the table, if you haven't brought it with you already, you can look at this handout on on either side, and I I can look at it, and I can see a word that comes up repeatedly. It's the word judgment. It was this big theme of all of the Old Testament books. It's just, it's just littered with it all over the place. Firstly, there was God's judgment, if you like, on his people, the Israelites. Hopefully by now that we're in week four, we're realizing that it's because of their failure to keep the Mosaic Covenant and the two reasons why, their idolatry and their injustice against how they treated the vulnerable. But also, as we see this morning, one of the big themes of the prophetic books is God judging the nations. Three of the big four, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, have this substantial block of material. With Ezekiel, it's something like 15 to 20% of the whole book is spent talking about this theme of God judging the nations. And then there are those 12 minor prophets. You know, that, that well-known one that we all know well, Obadiah, yeah? That we've all read before. You know, it's the shortest book just about in the Old Testament. It'll take us two minutes to read it. But that whole book is all about God's judgment against Edom. Or think about the, the famous story of Jonah, who tries everything not to be sent to Nineveh to proclaim God's judgment. 
And in this morning's reading, we hear of, if you like, God's judgment against four of Israel's surrounding neighbours. For those who, for those who like a map, if you like, this is where they are. Ammon was northeast of Israel. Edom was east. Sorry, Moab was east. Edom was south, and the Philistines cut across the west coast of Israel as it was then. That's where they were. And if we know our Bibles, then we will know that there's a lot of history already that's already gone on through the centuries between these four nations and Israel. We may not think we know that, but actually, actually we do because we heard a lot of them maybe when we were growing up in church. And maybe some of the stories we didn't. But think about the Ammonites and the Moabites and where they began from the unsavory events of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters when they got him drunk. And that's how the Ammonites and the Moabites started. Think about the Edomites. It doesn't get much better, does it? The bitter rivalry between two twins, Jacob and Esau. And that's how the Edomites started. And then there are the Philistines. As someone said in one of our groups this week, well, they were just Philistines, weren't they? Perhaps the most well-known enemy of the Israelites. You know, the epic stories of Samson and David and Goliath. And we look at each of these four neighbors this morning, Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia. And we look at each one of them. And if you look at the text with me, what you could see is that God's judgment against them is kind of it follows a similar formula. There's a similar pattern to it. There's an opening address by God. We can see it in verse 3, verse 8, verse 12 and 15. So that people know this is God. It's not someone else. It's God speaking through Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God. And then you have the, the basis of judgment that each time comes with the word because. If you like, this is where the charges are brought. Verses 3, verses 8, verses 12 and 15. You'll see the word because. And then there's this pronunciation of punishment. We see it with the word therefore in verses 4, 9, 13 and 16. And just so we're left in no doubt, there's this closing sentence with these or similar words. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, that this is God. Seven. Verse 7, 11, 14, and 17. In the case of the Ammonites, what we see is this, don't we? We read that their crime is this. Well, you can see it in verse 3, if you like. It's to practice the German word schadenfreude. They took delight in Israel's misery and rejoiced in, in their suffering. So they stuck the knife in as well. And their fate, we read, is pretty brutal, isn't it? That they'll just be wiped off the map. That's what it means. By the tribes of the desert. That in the cities where humans once flourished, now only animals will roam. And then we come to the, the Moabites, don't we? And God's grievance, we read, is that they arrogantly think that God couldn't save his people. So they've committed blasphemy, if you like. They think God has been thrown on the scrap heap because his people have suffered the same fate. And if we look at it in verses 9 and 10, their fate will be to be overcome once more by these same desert tribal people. 
And then we come to the Edomites and the Philistines. And we read God's grievance against both of them is similar. They've taken vengeance, if you like, justice into their own hands against the people of Judah when they were in difficulty. So neither could resist the opportunity after centuries, if you like, of conflict that there were just going to be this opportunity for acts of revenge in which a few old hatreds and ancient enmities could be fully vented and old scores violently settled. What the Edomites did, well, of course we all know what the Edomites did because we all know that well-known book in Obadiah, don't we? What they did was kind of think of what Russia has done to the eastern part of Ukraine or what it did before that in creating Crimea. Kind of they went and looted the southern cities of Judah after Jerusalem fell and the Judeans could no longer protect their southern boundary. And then to to make it worse, when all those Israelites were fleeing from Jerusalem, from the Babylonians, and they fled towards Edom, then Edom then attacked them and took them prisoner and then gave them over to Babylon. That was Edom's crime. And the Philistines, meanwhile, well, the text just tells us, doesn't it? They just came and brought destruction wherever they went. Perhaps it's a Warning still for us today of the danger of seeking vengeance, of why we should always resist the juicy morsel of trying to get even or to take justice into our own hands because both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says that it's mine to avenge. So where do we go? Where do we go with this passage this morning? and other ones like it in the Bible. What does it say to us about God? Is Richard Dawkins right in his rant about God's character in the Old Testament, in the God delusion, which so many kind of just take as gospel today? You know, as a Christian, if people know you're a Christian, you'll be challenged about it by someone along the line. I remember just a a few years ago being challenged about it in this very building just over in that pew over there before I took a wedding by by a certain young woman who wanted to talk about some of these events. Well, we could say, couldn't we? We could say, well, it's an Old Testament problem which the New Testament puts right. The only problem with that are the eyes of the Bible that I read is that the Old Testament has as much to say about God's compassion and his love as the New Testament. Or the New Testament has actually perhaps more to say about God's judgment than the Old Testament. You know that lovely theme that nobody wants to talk about today, hell, that Jesus spoke about more than anybody else in the Bible. Or what about that the... Jesus and the New Testament writers, they were never embarrassed about these Old Testament stories. They didn't try and correct them. And of course, we we might want to then say, we might want to gain some comfort and look at these events and just say, well, it was just the sign of the times, you know. It was just the culture and rhetoric of ancient warfare, you know, that there there are isolated events within thousands of years of history. 
Or we might want to talk about the wickedness, actually, and barbarity of the Canaanite people, which is, which is true. And we might want to talk about God's plan for peace. And that was what his vision was, and for Israel to be this light, this blessing to the nations. And all three of those ideas may bring us some comfort. But actually, these events still happened. Where are Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia today? Perhaps better, as I've thought about this and reflected upon it, looking at this book, is to ask the questions Job asked. The man who suffered more injustice than anybody in the Old Testament with his questions, who is God and who am I? You see, God, wherever we look at it at times, is a mystery. It doesn't mean that he's this problem to solve, but actually, at times, he's going to be beyond all of our abilities to truly understand. As Evelyn Underhill once said, if God was small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. There are parts of God's nature at times and why he does certain things that we won't understand. To quote the hymn writer William Young Fullerton in the opening line of each verse of the well-known hymn, I cannot tell why. I cannot tell why or I cannot tell how God does this, but it's the hymn writer also said in each verse, but this I know of God. This is what we do know of God from actually looking through all the pages of the Bible and the experience of our lives. So even if I cannot tell why God chose to judge the Ammonites in the way that Ezekiel outlined, this I do know. That in the Old Testament, the word used most often in the context of God and his attitude to the world is that God is a God of justice. The word means to treat people equitably. And even though I might not understand at times why, God will judge justly because he treats everybody equitably. And even if I cannot tell why God chose to judge the Moabites as Ezekiel outlined, this I do know that in the Old Testament, the next word used most often of God and his attitude to the world is that God is a God of love. The word means his steadfast love or his mercy or his kindness as is sometimes translated. It means that he is unfailing. And even though at times I might not understand why, God's love for all of us is unconditional because he is love. And even though I cannot tell why God chose to judge the Edomites as Ezekiel outlined, this I do know that in the Old Testament when you see that word justice. Very closely next to it, you'll see the word righteousness. It occurs more times than any other. It means that God will act with straightness, with integrity. And justice and righteousness, what they do is they, they come together to form this word pair in the Old Testament where the two words taken together have a deeper and a richer meaning than their individual parts. It means that even though I might not understand at times why God will judge justly and treat everybody equitably because he will always act straight and make the right decision at the right time. And even if I cannot tell why God chose to judge the Philistines as Ezekiel outlined, 
This I do know that the word used most often in the context of God being a God of love is then the word faithful. It means to be true. And love and faithfulness often act together as this word pair too in the Old Testament. It means therefore, though I might not understand at times why, this I know that God will judge justly and treat everybody equitably and make the right decision at the right time. He'll do this because of his unfailing love and care for all his people and he is faithful. It's why even though I do not understand everything, what I do know is when things could get no worse. God in his love and faithfulness and his righteousness and justice cut a new interpretation of this covenant with all people through sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And in his love and his faithfulness, he gave us that opportunity to change to love him and be faithful to him as his son dies on the cross in our place for our sin. To satisfy God's justice and his righteousness by declaring us justified and righteous. It's why for all of us, because God is a God of justice and righteousness and love and faithfulness, there will be this day of judgment for all. When Jesus will return, when the general resurrection of the dead will occur at the end of time, and then God will right every wrong. That he will end in justice as Jesus comes as the just judge who will judge us according to the degree of light that each one of us had available. How did we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ dying for us? And his words, do you love me? And then for those who answer in the affirmative, what I do know is we will be judged by our lives thereafter. Not for condemnation, but for that crown of creation that he talks so much about. So I cannot tell all things of God, but this I know that God is a God who judges justly because of his righteousness, his love, and his faithfulness. Shall we pray together? Gracious God, there are times we do not understand why. And we're not necessarily meant to understand why because it would go beyond our capacity to truly understand. But we remember Job who asked those questions, who are you God and who am I? And so, Lord, why we cannot tell why, this we know. That you are a God who is just and righteous. Who is faithful and loving. And so may we live our lives 
to reflect your justice and your righteousness, your love and your faithfulness. As we go from this place and in the places that we are, that we would live the lives of Jesus Christ, who in his love and faithfulness endured the cross and made us just and righteous in your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.